to glory land it won't be long until i take the hand of jesus christ with a great big smile we sit right down Charles Watson was born again on May 23, 1975, at the California Men's Colony. His transformation can best be described as amazing grace. Here's one of his messages from his early years of ministry. Until I see the man, the Prince of Peace. I got up here without saying praise the Lord. I don't know how it would be. I tried not to say praise the Lord one time when some Methodist preachers came in here. It was hard to do. I found out I said praise the Lord, every other word. You ever tried to not say praise the Lord when you got a habit of saying praise the Lord? It's kind of hard not to say praise the Lord, you know? You get in the habit of saying praise the Lord. Well, tonight we're going to talk about a subject that I think we all need to hear, and one that I haven't preached on that much, and that's the area of forgiveness. How do we forgive? How do we forgive? How do we overcome unforgiveness, we might say? And uh, in prison, you know, you'd say, well, there's a lot of people that don't forgive us, being the criminals that we are, the inmates that we are, now the saved people that we are, praise God, the ones that have been made right with God. But still, there's a lot of people that hold a lot of unforgiveness against us. And then, of course, there's a lot of us that hold unforgiveness about people on the outside. So the thing about it is there's a lot of unforgiveness in this world, in the body of Christ. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. It has so much to say about it that if we read much in the Bible what it did say, we'd begin to think that it was very important for us to have an attitude of forgiveness. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John has something to say about this forgiveness and how to get rid of it. Now, let's first look in the book of Matthew, a place that we often turn to, or a passage of Scripture that we often quote, which is known as the Lord's Prayer. You know, I often wonder, I say, well, if we just come to the, to the abrupt awakening of what the Lord's Prayer is talking about, and if we just let the Lord's Prayer work in our life, we wouldn't be so quick to harbor all kinds of unforgiveness against others. Now, let's look in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, and see what it says here in the Lord's Prayer, which we so often quote. Matthew 6, beginning in verse number uh, 9, is where the prayer begins. After this manner, therefore pray ye. In other words, Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray. He said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God wants his will done here in earth just as it is in heaven. And you know how perfect his will is in heaven, don't you? Well, that's how perfect he wants his will done here on earth. It says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you realize what we're saying there? We're saying, Father, you forgive me of my debts as I forgive others. So what is he saying? Or what are we praying? What are we asking? <laughs> you know, for those of us that, that have unforgiveness, what are we asking? Now, Father, you only forgive me to the degree that I forgive someone else. That's what we're asking. And that's what God does. He only forgives us to the degree that we forgive others. 
And that's the principle of God. And it's like that. And it goes on to say here in verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Then verse 14, something very important. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now that's heavy, isn't it? That's very heavy. That would make you want to forgive if you're not a forgiver right now. In other words, he's saying here, if we forgive, God will forgive us. And that is a principle. That is a law of God that takes place. So if I were you, and I know if you were me, we would want each other to begin to search and examine our heart in any area of unforgiveness that we have. Wouldn't you say that? Because it depends on our forgiveness. In other words, we cannot be forgiven if we do not forgive. So we need to begin to examine our life in areas of unforgiveness that we have towards others. That's how important it is to the Christian and to the non-Christian. It's important to forgive. And it's important to search your heart out in every little detail and every little thing in ways that we don't forgive and come to grips with it and confess it unto the Lord. In other words, if we don't forgive men their trespasses, we can believe that there will be very serious consequences that will come back upon us as Christians. Amen? Again, in the book of Mark, since we're going to look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke real quick here to see what they say about it. In the book of Mark, chapter 11, beginning in verse number 22, Mark 11, 22, says this. It says, Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Now what Jesus is going to tell us here is how to have faith in God. You know, if you have faith in God, you will forgive. Amen? If you have faith in God, you will know that he has forgiven you. And if he has forgiven you, you will know by faith you need to forgive others of their trespasses. Now, he's going to tell us how to have faith in God here, or how to have faith in himself. He says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Do you see the things that he is talking about here with faith? In other words, he says, get rid of the doubt. Get rid of the doubt. You can bet your life, my brother, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, you also have doubt. Doubt and unforgiveness go together. A lot of times, People will say about inmates in prison, they'll say, well, I believe God can forgive this guy over here, but no, God cannot forgive him. Now, what are they doing? They're doubting, aren't they? They're not having faith by any means. But we need to believe God. We need to believe God that he is capable of moving the mountain in that brother's life that you're unable to forgive. And if you believe God is able to forgive that mountain and to move that mountain out of his life that you're so unforgiving about, if you believe that, my brother, you will have a forgiving heart. You will have a forgiving heart. See, faith and forgiveness go together. 
Because we've put our faith in God that he's forgiven us. Now we need to put faith in God that he has the ability to forgive others. Even those things that we hold against others. Do you see that? Because he goes on and carries on this subject here. He says, and when you stand praying, forgive. That is a prerequisite. If faith is a prerequisite to believe God for answered prayer, forgiveness goes right along with it. Because when you stand praying, believing in God to hear your prayer, forgive. Forgive. Because you know the forgiveness of God is what gave us power to get answer from God in the first place. The forgiveness of God is what broke the enmity and the garbage that was between us and God so that we could reach God. The forgiveness of God brought that. And did you know the forgiveness of God will continue to bring answered prayer in your life if you'll forgive? That's how important forgiveness is. Forgiveness has to do with the prayer life, with your prayer life, and whether you get answers to prayer or not. Because he says, when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So you see how that works. It's the same old principle of what you sow, you reap. If you sow unforgiveness, you will get unforgiveness back from God. Do you see that? If you sow unforgiveness towards your brother, I bet he'll be giving you unforgiveness back. That's just the way it works. That's a principle of God. In other words, what we sow, we reap. If we sow faith in prayer that God is not only capable of hearing my prayer, but he is capable of healing my brother. He is capable of healing that in my brother that I dislike. You know, we always look at a lot of things that we dislike about people. But I tell you what, we've got to begin to deal with those and forgive those things. Otherwise, it is stopping our prayer life because that's a little area of doubt that we're having. Amen. I think a lot of times we can begin to judge how much we forgive one another with what our relationship is like with God. And if we have doubts between one another and unforgiveness between one another, that same relationship exists between us and God. That's a principle of God. It works like that. Yeah, I hate to say it. Because, you know, as we look at one another through the day and see how each one another is, we're that same way with God. That same way. We're a spitting image of, of how we are with God when we're with one another. And that's the way we are. And some of us won't like the way that sounds, but that's the way we are. Amen? In other words, we're a mirror of what we're reflecting here on earth with one another. That's our reflection with God. In the book of Luke, in chapter, 20, in chapter 11, Luke 11, verse number 26, we begin to see something else that I want to bring into the picture here tonight. Is that when we begin to take on a spirit of unforgiveness... When we begin to possess unforgiveness in our heart towards others, regardless of what that thing in that brother or that sister that we are not forgiving, whether it's our mother, whether it's our dad, whether it's someone you don't even know, whether it's someone that's committed a nasty crime, or whatever it is, when we begin to harbor that unforgiveness in our heart, it begins to open up our heart for other spirits to begin to come in and have effect on our life. 
Amen. In the book of Luke, verse number 24. Let's go back to 24. Luke 11. Let me say, I think I said 6. Luke 11, 24 says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Now what that is saying to me is that when we begin to harbor different kinds of things in our lives, such as unforgiveness, let's just use that for example tonight, other spirits can come in and begin to set up in our life. Now if we can, let's turn on the overhead projector here, and I want to quickly look at seven other spirits that I've laid out here that can begin to progressively take place in your life when you begin to harbor unforgiveness against someone. Now I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight. And I don't know whoever will hear this message later on that I'm speaking to. But I'm telling you that if you harbor unforgiveness in your life, that you will progressively begin to cause other things to build in your life other than just that unforgiveness. And the spirits that I'm talking about or the things that I'm talking about is number one, resentment. You know, when you begin to form a habit of having unforgiveness against someone, resentment begins to form. And what resentment is in Webster's Dictionary means bitter hurt, bitter hurt. In other words, bitter hurt begins to form in your life. And then next you see ill will. Well, the Webster's Dictionary of ill will is this, unfriendly feelings. Hostility, hate, and dislike. It just began with a little bitty thought of unforgiveness. Boy, I don't know if I can ever forgive that guy or not. Pretty soon you begin to resent that person. And you begin to almost spit at him. And then all of a sudden, you, every time you see him, ill will comes out. Hostility begins to come out in your life. And then you begin to formulate a grudge. And a grudge is a strong, continued feeling of hostility. Not only ill will, but it's a strong, continual feeling of hostility. Maybe you have that kind of hostility against someone on the outside. Maybe you have that kind of hostility against someone on the inside that you deal with from day to day. But it's a strong, continued feeling of hostility. And then malice begins to formulate, all beginning from that little seed of unforgiveness. Malice begins to take place. And malice is this. It's a deliberate intention, a deliberate intention. It's active ill will, desire to harm. It's an active ill will, and then the desire comes in to harm someone. And then after the malice sets up, the retaliation comes in. The retaliation is to return like for like or evil for evil. You want to retaliate all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden a deep bitterness begins, a strong feeling of hatred and, cynic and you become very cynical. 
And then lastly, the seventh spirit would be hatred, a strong feeling of dislike. In other words, those begin to build in you. Those are a bunch of names that are in the dictionary that we have given names to different types of attitudes that men build in their life. And it all begins with unforgiveness. For instance, I ministered here a while back on strongholds. And I begin to tell you about thoughts that can come to your mind. All of a sudden you might read in the newspaper, say for instance, about someone that did a certain crime. And you have these certain thoughts about it. All of a sudden someone next door might begin to slam their door real hard and be inconsiderate to you. Maybe somebody up in the chow hall, every time you come by them, will begin to call you names or something. Maybe over in the quad, people begin to do this and do that. Or maybe every time you come into the chapel and you see someone doing this or doing that, you begin to have thoughts. And pretty soon you just don't know what you're going to do with that thought. But you just soon just sit back and just think about it and let unforgiveness begin to start up in your mind. And it begins to start. That thought begins to come. And you begin to say, man, I don't know if I could ever forgive that person or not. And then all of a sudden, you begin to entertain that thought. And that thought just goes on over and over and over in your mind. And pretty soon, you got an attitude going. And it begins to progress onward until you just sit back. And you just every time you think about it, you start to cop an old attitude about this certain thing. And then all of a sudden, your actions begin to show it. When you go around a certain person, you almost uh, snarl at him, you know what I mean, or growl at him because you get so mad at him. And then all of a sudden, you begin to formulate habits in your life, habits. And then pretty soon, it's a stronghold. And pretty soon, you're just an old guy that's running around all cynical and critical. And you got this old spirit on you that's seven times worse than when it began. Do you understand what I'm saying? It begins to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. It's sort of like you start with a little bitty thing and it begins to build up to a mountain. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you first started with liquor, then you went to marijuana, then you went to speed, then you started shooting it, then you got into heroin, then you got into PCP, then you got, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. It's the same way with one little seed of unforgiveness. And it's deadly, and it can quench your relationship with God. Do you believe that tonight? Now, I've did a lot of talking already tonight, and I haven't given you a definition of forgiveness. Now, I want to give you a definition. Forgiveness, a biblical dictionary uh, definition, would be to show oneself gracious. In other words, to show grace on that person, to show mercy and grace to that person. In other words, even though he don't deserve it out of you, you're going to show grace, to show oneself gracious. And if we were to take an example of that, that we'll be getting in in just a few minutes, it would be Jesus. He forgave us by dying upon the cross for us. He showed himself gracious. Forgive. The Webster's Dictionary is to give up, to give up, to give up resentment against or to desire to punish someone, to stop being angry with with someone, to pardon, to give up all claims to punish or to exact a penalty, to counsel, to counsel the debt that he owes to you. 
that you think he owes to you. In other words, it's to give up. It's to give up punishment. It's to pardon a person. It's to completely forgive the person. And that's what forgiveness is all about. It's pardoning someone of that which they have done to you. And you know, a lot of things we begin to hold unforgiveness for, and the person has actually not done anything to you. You know what I mean? Maybe he's done it to someone else. But you have a hard time forgiving that person for that which he's done. You know, and as we look at these other other seven spirits here, one thing that I want to leave on your mind tonight is that it's very important to see that they progress. They just keep progressing, as we've talked about. Think about that. And think about those things in your life that have progressed. Because those things that have progressed to have strongholds upon your life are the very things that you need to begin to allow to regress in your life. Yeah. And the same way they progressed in your life is actually the same principle that they'll regress in your life. You've got to begin to get into the Word of God. You begin to get into the Word. Then you begin to get into prayer. Then you begin to get into fellowship. You begin to witness. You begin to get stronger and stronger and stronger in the Lord. You begin to renew your mind with new thoughts. You begin to meditate the Word of God, see? Instead of meditating the thoughts of that unforgiveness, you meditate the Word of God. Instead of entertaining the thoughts of unforgiveness, you entertain the Word of God. Instead of forming an attitude of the devil such as unforgiveness, you begin to form an attitude of Christ, the Word of God. Instead of letting your actions be those of unforgiveness, begin to let your actions be those of God. Instead of formulating habits in your life that are of the devil, begin to formulate habits that come forth from the Word of God. Instead of letting Satan have a stronghold on your life with the Word of unforgiveness, begin to let God have a stronghold on your life with the Word of God. So the same way that you got into the mess with Satan is the same way you get out of it with God. So that means we've got to repent and go the other way. And that's what it's all about. See, God will deliver you that of that. He will deliver you of that. That's how you get rid of it. In other words, begin to get in to God's Word. In other words, the big question is this. How do we get rid of unforgiveness? You know, the Word of God sets us free. In the book of John, I told you we were going to see what Matthew, Luke, and John here had to say tonight. In John chapter 8, beginning in verse number 31, we find out that Jesus tells us how to defeat the devil, how to get free from unforgiveness. You know, Jesus, we'll remember, as he was tempted there in the wilderness, he defeated the devil how? With the Word of God. The Word of God. See, the Word of God is not unforgiveness. The Word of God is forgiveness. That's the Word of God. And it says here in John eight thirty one that if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. Indeed, you become disciplined. You become disciplined, my brothers. That's what that means. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, the truth is this word of God, and it says you should forgive. The truth is Jesus Christ. When you get to know Jesus and his forgiveness for you, then you will begin to apply his forgiveness in your life for others. And it's just that simple. As we look at how Jesus forgives over in Ephesians, over in the book of Ephesians, we see how and what the Lord wants us to do to get rid of this unforgiveness.
And I wanted to just share verse 32 with you, but then the Lord had me go back to verse number 30, because what he tells us in Ephesians 4.30 is what happens when we aren't forgiving. What happens when we begin to let attitudes of unforgiveness, resentment, ill will, grudges, malice, retaliation, bitterness, hatred, all these spirits of unforgiveness? How do we deal with them? But what does it do to us when we don't deal with them? That's the secret. What does it do? Well, see, here's what it's doing. Yeah, it blocks it. It blocks the Spirit of God working in your life. It says in 430, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Brother, we as Christians have the seal of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We are God's. But if we allow unforgiveness and resentment and all these things to take place in our life, these strongholds and attitudes that are from the devil to dwell in our life, it will grieve God's Holy Spirit that we're sealed with. And the way it does it is in our mind. That's where the unforgiveness is. That's where the attitude, that's where the resentment, that's where the unforgiveness is. But as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See? It goes on to say here, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, forgiving one another. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Brother, if we take this verse number 32 here, and we put this being kind to one another and tender-heartedness tender together, this word tender-hearted, it means that you're full of pity. For that person. If you put kindness and being full of pity for individuals and have a compassionate heart for one another instead of harboring unforgiveness, as the devil would try to have you do, come in with a compassionate heart as Jesus had a compassionate heart for us. If we'll put that kindness and that tender heartedness together, we will be able to forgive one another and it will be as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And then it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. We need to walk in love. Walk in love, forgiving one another. See, the devil wants us to walk in hate. God wants us to walk in love. Amen? The devil wants us to walk in malice and madness and resentment and unforgiveness, and God wants us to walk in kindness and tenderheartedness, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. So we see the example of forgiveness here. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. He was on the cross, dying for all of man's sins, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We are to be the same way. In the book of Colossians, one book over, two books over, Colossians chapter 3, how do we put off this unforgiveness that we might have in our heart? This is what it says in 3.12. It says this, that we're to put on. See, to put off, when we put off something, it means we've got to put on something. If we're going to put off unforgiveness, we've got to put on what? Therefore, as the elect of God, holy, beloved, bowels of mercy. We've got to put on bowels of mercy. Amen? 
We've got to put on kindness, humbleness of mind, and meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. Just as Jesus forgave you, we are to now forgive one another that same way. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Praise God. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. And how do we do it? We put on the things of God. We put on the Word of God. The Scripture goes on to say in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Sing about that grace that God has not only had for you, but has had for your brother. You know, a lot of times we're selfish. We come over to the chapel and we want to get all blessed ourselves, but that brother over there in that pew or that seat sitting over there don't want a thing to do with him, you know? You understand what I'm saying? Maybe on Sunday morning we've got 160, 170 people in here. You know what I mean? We're all this forgiveness. Oh, God, thank you for forgiving me. Yet we look over here, God, I don't know if you forgive him or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, we actually think like that. How could God forgive him? You know what I mean? Well, that's not the way we should think. In other words, we've got to begin to sing. When we sing unto the Lord over here, we've got to sing with grace in our hearts. Not only that that grace has been poured out for me and that I have favor with God, but that you and my brother has favor with God. That all of us have favor with God. We've all been forgiven, glory to God, because of the blood of Jesus. Let me say something while I'm here. A lot of times we look at crimes and we say, well, that crime is bigger than that crime and this sin is bigger than that sin. And I don't know if God can forgive that sin or not or if God can forgive this sin over here. Well, I didn't sin as much as you, so therefore God can forgive me easier than he can forgive you. You know what I mean? But that's not what the problem is. The sin is not the problem. The outward sins, let me say, is not the problem. The problem is our sin nature. That's what God forgives. Sin nature sins to a lot of different degrees, but once you get rid of the sin nature, then the problem is cut off, glory to God. Because Jesus comes in. Man must be born again. And it doesn't make any difference what you've done to be born again. Amen? No not make any difference how great the sin is. Sin all comes from the same place in all degrees, and it comes from your sin nature. But when we begin to hear the word of God and realize that Jesus came for he so loved the world, amen, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then we say, I'm one of those whosoever's, amen, and that he forgives me too. And he forgives all sin. He forgives everything that has come out of that old root of sin from Satan since the Garden of Eden. And we get born again, not of that corruptible seed of Adam and Eve, but of that incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God. And all we got to do is receive the Word and get saved. But as many as receive Him, to them gave He power to become sons of God. John 1.12, amen? For all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. Amen? None of us are any better than anybody else. None of us are any worse than anybody else. All of us are just as bad, amen, if we're not saved. Amen? 
Bad is bad. Good is good. God is good and the devil's bad. Amen? And God is good enough and big enough and powerful enough to get the devil off anybody's back. Glory to God. Amen? That's right. In the book of Matthew, I want to give you an example here tonight on forgiveness. That's what we're talking about for those of you that just came in. And in my studies over here on Wednesday night, I like to get into the Word of God. I like to preach. I like to teach. I like to do a lot of things. But on Wednesday night, sometimes I'm led to teach a little bit more because I think a lot of us only get in the Word when we come over here to chapel. I hope that's not the case. But we need to really get into the Word of God and see what God has to say about forgiveness tonight because I believe God's speaking to some of you. In the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 18, beginning in verse number 23, the Lord gives us an example here of what forgiveness is all about. And I just want to read it to you. I don't want to take a lot of time with it. I just want you to hear it and see what Jesus used as an illustration of forgiveness. In Matthew 18, beginning in verse number 23, he says, Therefore, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants? And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped the king, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him his debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that debt you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee. And he would not. But went, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the entire debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desireth me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses." Look what God will do to us if we don't forgive our debtors, our trespasses. And that's what a lot of us are like today. We take God's forgiveness for ourselves, but we forget that God's a big enough God to forgive everybody, not only you. <clears throat> he forgives everybody. And if we don't forgive, our Heavenly Father won't forgive us. And it's just that simple. That's why it's so important to work on forgiveness in this life. We need to begin to look at God as a forgiving God that if He can forgive me and if He can forgive you, He can forgive anybody. Glory to God. Amen. And that's exactly true. That's exactly what's happening today. In this same chapter here, Matthew 18, beginning in verse number 21, then Peter to Jesus said, Lord, how oft? 
Shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times, Peter said. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee seven times, but unto seventy times seven. We are to forgive 70 times, 7 times. This same scripture here is again mentioned in the book of Luke. I like to get several interpretations of it or several viewpoints of it, I should say. In Luke 17, in verse number 3, Jesus said, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, Luke 17, 3, If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Glory to God. So the question comes up, hey, if he don't repent, do we forgive him? Do we forgive him? That's the question. Well, I believe we do. I believe we are under obligation as brothers in the Lord, to forgive regardless of whether a person comes and repents to us or not. I actually believe that. You know, a lot of people want to say, they'll want to say this, well, he won't forgive, he, he won't, he won't uh, 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 repent of that, and he won't change his mind about it, so why should I forgive him? You know? I believe that we need to forgive. I believe we need to be willing to forgive, my brother. We need to begin to be willing to forgive regardless. That's the way Jesus is. Jesus forgives everybody. God forgives everybody, regardless of what you do. But here's the thing right here. The thing is, is that God can't forgive you unless you are willing to forgive. Unless you come to the foot of the cross and say, Father, I repent, forgive me, then and only then can he forgive you. Am I making sense to that? He's forgiven you. Yeah, he's forgiven you. But the thing about it is, the only way that that forgiveness can take place in your life is if you come to the foot of the cross. You understand what I'm saying? So, I can stand here tonight and say, oh, I forgive everybody. And I know that I should forgive everybody. But what this is saying, unless that brother comes to you, comes to you, and asks for forgiveness, he won't be forgiven himself. Amen? He won't know. He won't have received the forgiveness for himself. See, God expects for us to receive forgiveness. If you're not saved in here tonight, you have to come to the foot of the cross to be forgiven. God has forgiven you through Jesus Christ, but now you need to come to the foot of the cross and be forgiven. You see what I mean? We have to appropriate that forgiveness in our life. We have to come to the foot of the cross and receive forgiveness from God, and He will forgive you of all your sins. Amen? Because he has forgiven everybody in the entire world of their sins. But the only way that forgiveness can be applied to each individual if they will come to God. Amen? Each individual has to come to God. You know, a lot of people believe everybody in the world is saved. Everybody in the world is going to go to hell. I mean, go to heaven. Yeah. Some people believe that. Some people believe that. I was just reading some about some culture the other day. They believe everybody's going to go to heaven. Yeah, everybody. 
But that's not true. Yes, God has forgiven everybody through Jesus Christ, but the only way that it works for you is if you come down and receive it. Glory to God. Amen? Yeah, that's the only way it works. Hallelujah. You know, the greatest problems that people have today in this world, I believe, is is, is unforgiveness. Now, you know, as we begin to think about areas in our own personal life, Communication breakdowns. Are there any communication breakdowns between you and any brother that you can think of in this institution right now? Is there communication breakdowns between you and your parents or you and your wife or you and your kids or you and some other individual? If there's a communication breakdown there, there could be areas of unforgiveness and resentment and grudges and ill will and and, and retaliation and bitterness and hatred hanging around in your mind and in your heart about this person. So ask yourself, is there any communication breakdowns? Has your fellowship been severed with someone, some way, somewhere? There could be Not only communication breakdowns, but there could be total breaking of fellowship with that particular person. There could be unforgiveness in there, in your heart, that needs to be dealt with. And the only way that it can be dealt with is if you'll come to God and get rid of that unforgiveness. Give it to God and He forgives you and then go to that brother and ask Him for forgiveness for thinking that way about Him. Amen? Get it out of your life. It's that important to get it out of your life. Is there a lot of persecution, a lot of opposition in your life? Are you always feeling that you're being persecuted about this or that? You know? Is there always some type of opposition taking place in your life, coming against you in a lot of different ways? There could be areas of unforgiveness in there that you have. A lot of times we'll think we're being persecuted for the Lord and it won't be for the Lord at all. We're being persecuted because of the way we are and the way we act. There could be some unforgiveness deeply down in our life that we need to begin to take to God. But what we need to come to the decision of is that we're going to forgive and that we have the ability to forgive and to be forgiven. See, God has given us power. He has given us the Holy Spirit. He has given us His Spirit to be able to have the power to forgive supernaturally. Amen? You know, the finest example that I've seen of this forgiveness in the Bible is in the book of Acts, chapter 7, when Stephen was being persecuted. And in Ephesians, or Acts 7, 54, it says here that when they had heard the things that Stephen said, it cut their heart. And boy, they had a lot of resentment against him. If anybody had any unforgiveness in the heart, these people that were coming against Stephen, they had resentment in their heart against Stephen. And it says here, but he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. He was full of the Holy Ghost, Stephen was, in the height of his persecution here in Acts chapter 7. I haven't got time to go into the whole chapter, but you know that Stephen was a martyr for Jesus' sake and that he got so persecuted and so stoned that he eventually died in verse number 56. And behold, the heavens opened up 
And the Son of Man was standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped up their ears and they ran upon Stephen in one accord. And they cast him out of the city. They stoned Stephen. And uh, there was a witness there whose name was Paul. And it says, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, Stephen said. And here's the thing right here in verse number 60. And he kneeled down and he cried with a loud voice saying, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. In other words, Stephen saying the same thing, almost identical, that Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, when we begin to look at those that we hold unforgiveness against, we can say, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, those people that we're holding unforgiveness against, it's just because of their ignorance that they're the way they are. They're a way that you don't like. So therefore, you form an attitude of unforgiveness against them. They don't know any better. A lot of times the people that we hold the greatest unforgiveness about is walking around in ignorance, acting like a turkey. You know what I mean? Yeah. But look at them and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Why let them control our lives and put unforgiveness in our lives that's going to cause us to break our relationship with God and grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which is going to give us the ability to forgive in the first place. You know, Stephen, it said about him, he was full of the Holy Ghost and power. Amen. And he said, Father, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. In other words, we need to get to the place, my brothers, to where we refuse to have unforgiveness in our heart against anybody. We need to get to the place to where we refuse to hold unforgiveness, attitudes, ill wills, malices, hatred, bitterness, retaliation, all these grudges and all these things. We need to get to the place to where we say to ourselves, Self, I'm not going to do that because it's quenching the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Ghost in me and it has the supernatural ability to forgive and I'm going to forgive that person. Amen? Now, this is what Paul was talking about in my closing scripture here in the second book of Corinthians, chapter 2. What was taking place was this, and you'll remember it. Just going to end up now. I know we've been a long time tonight. What had happened here in 2 Corinthians 2, if you remember back in 1 Corinthians 5, what had happened? A man had got caught in fornication with his mother-in-law. And or with his stepmother, with his with his uh, father's uh, wife, his stepmother, and he got caught in fornication with it, and the church was letting it go on and everything. And then Paul begins its beliefs to to bring that man up again here in Second Corinthians chapter two about what to do with him. Now they had kicked him out of the church and chastised him, and. Uh, setting him apart from the church so that he would mourn for a while. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to a man, talking about the fornicator, is his punishment or this punishment, which was inflicted of many. In other words, 
those in the church inflicted punishment against him for his sin. In verse uh, chapter 2, verse 7 now. So that counterwise ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love towards him. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgive it, or forgave it, for your sakes forgive I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices or intention. This is what I'm saying tonight. Is that Satan and his devices and his wiles and his intentions are to get you to hold unforgiveness against somebody. And if Satan can get a hold of you and take advantage of you and get you to begin to take on these thoughts of unforgiveness and all these seven other spirits that we have talked about here tonight and begin to put all those attitudes and, and habits and, and begin to get those actions of yours going in such a way that is bringing forth resentment and anger towards people. We need to begin to look at that and realize that Satan is getting advantage of us. And how do we get rid of this unforgiveness? Cast it out of our life. Cast down those imaginations and that unforgiveness and every high thing that would try to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. And bring every thought into obedience into Christ. Amen. And do as Christ would do. And what does Christ do? Christ forgives sin. Amen. He forgives all sin, my brother. We are to forgive all sin of our brother. Regardless of what it is. If we're going to call ourselves a Christian. A Christian. Someone has said a Christian is a is a little Christ. And that's what we are. We're part of the body of Christ. We're to act like Christ. Amen? And Christ forgave all sin. We might as well go ahead and set our mind to forgive all sin. Why? Because our Father forgives all sin. Because Jesus is the one that died upon the cross to make it possible for all sin to be forgiven. And if our sin has been forgiven, and it has, we should be willing to forgive others of their sin. Amen? We need to set in our mind to do that. We need to begin to forgive others of all their trespasses. Whether they ask forgiveness or not, we need to realize that the blood of Jesus cleansed them from all their sin and that we need to have a forgiving heart whether they come to us or not to ask. Amen. Glory to God. We need to be big forgivers in this Christian life. Big forgivers. Amen. How many will set in their heart tonight to be forgivers? Glory to God. Because God's Word says that we need to forgive. God's Word says that we need to forgive. I believe that. And I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready to be a forgiver. Amen. And I am promise God that I'm going to 
examine my life and ask myself, where do I hold resentments and grudges? And I've got some, believe me. And you've got some. We've all got some. We're not perfect. We have areas in our life that aren't right yet. We have areas in our life yet. And don't sit back and say you don't. Begin to examine your life. Look into your life, into your thought life. And say, who am I not quite forgiving in this life? Maybe it's your mother. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's yourself. Amen. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with forgiving myself sometimes. Amen. If I'm angry at anybody, I'm angry at myself more than anybody else. Amen. Getting getting in all this old trouble. Hurt so many old people, you know? You know? Yeah. We need to begin to examine our life and find out where that forgiveness is because it separates us from God. Will you commit your life to working on that tonight? Praise God. Say, I commit my life to working on any and all unforgiveness in my heart. I thank you, Jesus, for your word that tells me that you forgive as I forgive. And as I forgive, I know you forgive. I want to be a forgiver like you, Father. And I choose to forgive tonight. I choose to forgive tonight. Whether that person that I hold a grudge against forgives me or not. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and sing a couple of songs before we go away tonight, okay? Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's all stand right now. Here's a good little song right here. It goes like this. Build your house on the rock. Praise God. Glory to God. Let's sing this now. I tell you, when you forgive like Jesus forgives, you're building your house upon the rock. Amen. Here's the way it goes. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the rock and it shall stand. Ain't no power on this earth that can't stand against God's word. Build your house on the rock and it shall stand. Let me ask you something tonight. You know, that song there says, as the group continues to play, that song says that there ain't no power on this earth that can stand against God's word. Amen? Let me add something to that, unless you let it. You don't have to let it. You know, if you have unforgiveness in your heart tonight, I want you to come down to this altar tonight, and I want you to just say, unforgiveness, you're not more powerful than this rock, Jesus Christ. Come down right now. If you've been holding some kind of unforgiveness or resentment, I'm not for big altar calls, but I believe there's some unforgiveness in this auditorium tonight. I believe that there's unforgiveness against parents. I believe that there's unforgiveness against prosecutors. I believe that there's unforgiveness against men that are even in this auditorium tonight. I believe that there might be some unforgiveness against me or some me against you or whatever. 
any unforgiveness. I believe God forgives it right now in the name of Jesus. Do y'all believe that? Praise God. Thank you, Father. Father, we receive your forgiveness right now. Lord, we receive forgiveness from you. That same forgiveness, Father, that you forgave us with through Jesus Christ, we now receive from you. And Lord, we come to this altar. Lord, and we repent of this unforgiveness. We know that you've already forgiven us. But Lord, we're coming down right now believing and saying, yes, Lord, you forgive us. And I leave this unforgiveness right now. Say that I leave this unforgiveness at the altar right now. Because I'm going to build my house on the rock. I'm not going to build my house on resentment and anger and ill will and malice and unforgiveness. But I'm going to build my house on the rock. The Word of God. In Jesus' name, unforgiveness. I rebuke you and resist you. And I draw nigh to God. And I'm a forgiver. In, the, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Ain't no power on this earth that can stand against God's word. Build your house on the rock and it's just that.